You are my fire, the one desire. Believe when I say I want it that way. Tell me why. Welcome to Soups. On hockey! Woo! We have intro music! For the first time, we have intro music, motherfucker! Wasn't that great? So I can sing songs, and I don't get in trouble for it. The Backstreet Boys can't sue me, because I'm not using their music. I'm just quoting them. So I'll put my hands up to play my song. Well, I'll save that one for the next episode. But welcome to Soups on Hockey. I'm Tyler Campbell, your amazingly talented host. I must say that that singing is pretty fan fucking tastic. And I'm sitting here, and I just recorded a Soups on Oilers podcast. And I've been waiting for an hour for it to upload to iTunes, and the motherfucker isn't uploaded yet. So I'm a little, little cranky about that one. But, uh, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm cool. Cool with it. Lots of stuff to talk about. I haven't done a Soups on Hockey podcast for a while, and I haven't done a podcast other than this Oilers one that won't fucking upload. haven't done a podcast for about a week think it was the last one I did was about the Hitchcock hiring. Uh, and then I got been sick with a cold. And not that the colds really put me out of commission, but as far as doing a podcast, it kind of does. Uh, a lot of a lot of stuffed nose, a lot of sore throat, a lot of, you know, it's been tough to do a podcast. Uh, why I didn't do one after the Sharks game, at least on Wednesday, I'm not sure. But... Anyway, here I am. It's Friday. As I'm recording this, it's Friday morning. Uh, Shows you how busy my life is right at the moment. Uh, 11.28, it says on my clock. And uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. I never did get to the Mike Yo firing in St. Louis. That's how far back this is going. So we got Ron Hextall in Philly, Mike Yo in St. Louis... Want to talk about the San Jose Sharks. Want to talk about some coaches who might be the next in line. Next in the firing line, I guess you could say. Excuse me. Um, some big potential for some big trades. And when you talk trades and you talk movement in the NHL, we are, by the time I get this uploaded, a little over 24 hours away from the William Nylander deadline. And man, you might hate the Leafs. You might be so sick to death of this story. But man, this is where it finally gets good. This is where two months of talk about this kid finally pays off. Because now we're gonna something good's going to come out of it. Either the Leafs are going to sign him to an unfriendly contract, unfriendly team contract, that is, or they're going to sign him to a very reasonable deal and get what they've wanted, 
or they're going to trade him, or nothing's going to happen, and William Nylander will have to sit out this season. If I was to bet, I really don't know what way this is going to go. I thought I did. thought I did a couple different times. I thought he was traded, and then I thought, no, Leafs are going to get him signed to their deal. I think he caves, and the Leafs get him on a good contract. I think that's what happens. I'm gonna get to. I'm gonna save it till the end. I got a lot to talk about with the Leafs, and a lot to talk about with stuff with the Leafs other than William Nylander. If you're a Leafs fan, you'll want to listen to this. This will be music to your ears. What I'm gonna go off on, I'm sure. Plus, if I got time, I want to get to some World Junior talk. Plus, if I got time, you know, I was just texting with one of my friends, and we brought up the. Very non-hit ABC show of the 90s, Dinosaurs, that was a complete rip-off of The Simpsons. If we got time, I want a couple things with Dinosaurs that I'd like to get off my chest here 25 years or so later. I feel like they need to be discussed. Not the baby! Not the baby! What the fuck are the Philadelphia Flyers doing? Holmgren essentially, Holmgren essentially fired Ron Hextall because he was doing a good job. Essentially, that's what happened. <laughs> How long have they been rebuilding for? Maybe you could say they started their rebuild in 2015. I can't remember when Hextall came in. But it seems to me that's about when it started. Was 2015. And, like, so, 2015, 2016, 2017, they made the playoffs in 2018. So you just made the playoffs last season. You've had your basketball team in that city telling everyone for, what, a decade? Trust the process. Trust the process. All 76ers fans bought into it. I I shouldn't say all, but a lot of Philly fans bought into it. And now, they just got Jimmy Butler. They got Joel Embiid. They got Ben Simmons. Like, it's paying off what they did. Will they win a championship? Eh, I don't know. Raptors, for this season, are in their way. Moving forward, the Celtics look like they're going to be in their way. But, you know, in fairness to the 76ers... They would be the team in the East had the Brooklyn Nets not literally said, hey, Boston, here's the franchise for a year of Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. So in that city where a rebuild clearly works, you get sick of a rebuild that is clearly working after going to the playoffs last year. 
with a goaltender who had a starting goaltender, 907 save percentage. It's working, and they fire the GM. Man, that situation in Philly is so similar to the Oilers in that, and Paul Holmgren, Holmgren, I cannot, I got a cold, and it's hurting my ability to enunciate. Holmgren is so similar to Kevin Lowe. It's scary. Both situations. They're different. They're different styles, no doubt. But at the end of the day, I don't think Philly's ever getting back to the promised land as long as Paul Holmgren is in charge. I don't think it's happening. He wants to hire Chuck Fletcher. Well, what did Chuck Fletcher do in Minnesota? Well, if people are to believe, and I'm talking about reputable people. I know I always quote Elliot Friedman, but he's kind of made reference to this. Jeff Merrick's made reference to this on 31 Thoughts, the podcast. Um, Chuck Fletcher was basically Craig Leopold's puppet in Minnesota. And Leopold meddled big time. And the Flyers want to hire Chuck Fletcher. Is that a coincidence? Probably not. Probably not. Ron Hextall had the Philadelphia Flyers moving in the right direction. They're a goaltender away from being a contender. And you need to be patient getting the goaltender. I said before this season, watch out for him to go get Jonathan Quick. If Jonathan Quick isn't hurt to start the season, mind you, maybe the Kings don't start as bad as they did, but if Jonathan Quick is available for trade, maybe that would have been done. Maybe that would have been done. If the Montreal Canadiens don't get off to a hot start, maybe Carey Price could be had in a trade. Philly is set up to go get a goaltender. But you need to go get the right goaltender. You can't just get whoever. Oh, fuck. We need a goaltender. Edmonton, what do you want for Cam Talbot? We'll give you two firsts. You guys do realize he's been horrible lately, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three firsts. Like, you can't just go get a guy. Calgary, what do you want for Mike Smith? Four firsts. Edmonton wouldn't do it. Four firsts. Yeah, you guys do realize he has been awful in his 36 and is a UFA, right? Five firsts. Five. Like that. Uh, Holmgren, I know the media loved when he was the GM, and he's not going back to being the GM other than interim. He was a disaster. And I, I know they love the chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're a fl- I'm trying to think of it from a Flyers fan point of view. This is a nightmare. This is a fucking nightmare. And I can't not believe that they want Chuck Fletcher simply so Paul Holmgren can then say, Hey, Chuck, do this, do that, do this, do that. You do all the dirty work and nobody will buy that it's me, that it's actually me. Because he did it in Minnesota, allegedly. According to people in the know, he basically was that GM in Minnesota. 
So then you ask, why are they so hot for him in Philly? Why do they think he's the guy? That's what I believe, is that they can control him. Oh, what a shit show, man. What a shit show. Feel awful for Flyers fans that this is happening. It's just, what the fuck are they doing? They're set up. If I'm any team, I'm knocking down their door saying, Hey, Paul, what do you want for Provorov? What would you like for Provorov? Hey, Paul, what would you like for Connecty? We got a we got a fourth line player you'll love. We've got an aging vet you'll be a big fan of. <laughs> you talk about a man without a plan. Holy shit. Like the Flyers from what? 07? Well, 06. Bob Clark was still running in 06 though. And then he stepped down when Hitch got fired, I want to say. It was the start of the 06-07 season. They started horribly. So Holmgren took over then. And you went through, you know, they were rebuilding. And they had a good 08. So then, oh, they're all in. They're all in. So 09, 08 and 09, relatively the same team. Then 2010, Chris Pronger... They give up the world for Chris Pronger. They bring in Laviolette. I don't think that was at the start of the season, if I remember correctly. I could look all this up. I like doing it off the top of my head. And then 2011, back in the playoffs, swept by the Bruins. So then 2012, it's a complete makeover again. And, you know, obviously Pronger got hurt at the start of that season. But Richards and Carter, that was that was the year that they were ousted. Picked up Voracek, picked up Sean Couturier. That Jeff Carter trade with Columbus, that didn't work out too shabby for Philly. And actually, <laughs> Shannon Simmons for Richards. You know, I you know I, I can't shit all over Paul Holmgren. He he did do some pretty good moves. Then he would follow it up with, yeah, and while I'm doing that, I'll also sign Ilya Brzezgalov. Uh, Paul, he just put up good numbers with a coach whose system has produced goaltenders all over the place who put up good numbers, like Marty Turco, Mike Smith, to that point. Uh, Brzezgalov was next. Uh Mike Smith, again, was to follow uh, Devin Dubnik. Dubnik's kept it together, you know. But anyway, it was it was pretty obvious at that point that Briz- – and I wrote it at the time. That was when I had started blogging. That was one of my first pieces was Brzezgalov was just, a si- was just a system goaltender, I guess, if you want to call him that. You know, you got system quarterbacks in the NFL. Brzezgalov was just a system goaltender. When Mike Smith signed with the Coyotes in the 2011 offseason, that's when it was, right? When Brzezgalov left and Mike Smith came in, I put on Twitter, that will be the signing of the summer. And it was. Not because I thought that highly of Mike Smith, 
because Dave Tippett always had goaltenders that looked amazing playing in his system. Just a product of his system. And I don't know if it had the track record at that point that it eventually did, to be fair. But I just thought it was very obvious at the time. Um, yeah. And then eventually, you know, Holmgren, he also did Vinny LeCavalier. Remember when he signed LeCavalier? Why is my question that I'm still asking today. I'll never forget when they did that. 4.5 mil a year. Had no need for another center. Absolutely none. Zero. And they went out and signed him. Just like, what What the fuck are you doing? You can never have too many centers. I am the guy that says that, so eh, I guess. But, you know, it's cap system. You're spending 4.5 mil on a center when you could probably get, you know, an equally good winger for 2.5, maybe 3. Oh, Flyers fans, I'll tell you, it's going to get a lot more interesting around there, I'm guessing. Because like I say, I think Chuck Fletcher, if he is the GM, is just going to be a puppet for Paul. But eh, Ron Hextall had them on the right path. And now, who the fuck knows what will happen. It's a mess. Mike Yo out in St. Louis. Uh, Mike Yo is Todd McClellan. Mike Yo is Willie Desjardins. Mike Yo is Paul Maurice. Mike Yo is Glenn Gullitson. There's just a bunch of coaches around the league that people will say when they're hired, he's a really good coach. And the truth is, by NHL standards, no, he's not. He's an average coach. He is a guy who doesn't make a difference. He will make a difference when he first steps in to get the team fresh blood behind the bench. He will make a difference when he has a good or great goaltending. And he'll look horrible when he has horrible goaltending. All these guys, they just live and die with their goaltenders. They're not difference-making coaches. And I hear from the media nonstop, oh, they're, oh, good coaches, good coaches. Based on what? Paul Maurice has coached, what, 20 years in this league? When has he ever, ever had a team that are like had a extended run of a team that's like overachieved when i see bruce boudreau do it every fucking year he coaches and it's incredible with boudreau i know that the toronto media specifically love the guy everybody who knows bruce boudreau love the guy He doesn't get the recognition he deserves. You know, everybody focuses on his playoff failures. The truth is, he's he's the Marty Schottenheimer of the NHL. His teams wouldn't be anywhere fucking near that point if it wasn't for him. That's why they always fizzle out in the playoffs. Because they have no business being at those points. 
Anaheim has no business being in the 2015 Western Conference Final. That team wasn't that good. They had no business being, what, the second seed in 2016, lost out in the seventh game to Nashville. Remember what the Caps were before Boudreaux? They were like the worst team in the league in 08. I I honestly want to say they were bottom of the standings. Boudreaux took over, boom, win the division, playoffs, Game 7 against Philly. Next year, second round, Game 7 against Pittsburgh. The next year, President's Trophy winners. The next year, first seed in the East. Boudreaux gets fired, they were the seventh seed in the East. Boudreaux gets fired and... I think they were third in 2013 and then out of the playoffs in 2014. Now, for the Caps, they then hired an equally as good or maybe even better head coach in Barry Trotz and made a couple moves that put them over the top. You know, Kuznetsov coming in was massive. You know, you forget, they should have had Philip Forsberg too. If it wasn't for that mistake by George McPhee, which I think was a Ted Leonsis call, Think about how good that Caps team could be with Philip Forsberg and Yevgeny Kuznetsov having been injected into that lineup. Also, don't forget, here's a trade nobody remembers. They got TJ Oshie for Troy Brower. Which, conveniently for me, brings me back to the St. Louis Blues. And the Blues, they need a shakeup. They're just, they're too slow. They're like the Kings. They are too slow. I just did a podcast talking about the Kings. Obviously, they played the Oilers last night. They are too slow of a team. They're not actually as bad as they've been, but still to to get to where they want to be, they're far too slow of a team. The Blues have far too slow of a team. It worked with Ken Hitchcock because Ken Hitchcock's system... It doesn't demand full-out speed. Although, you watch the Oilers play, they've actually been quicker under Ken Hitchcock. Just because he likes heavy hockey doesn't mean he prefers slow hockey. Media, let's, let's figure that out. You can play heavy hockey and still be a fast team. You know, I, I've said this for a couple years now. Everybody's going nuts over, you know, small and fast, small and fast. Small and fast is what wins now. You know what's going to beat small and fast? Big and fast. But it's like, well, you know, that's impossible. You can't have that. Oh, no, you can. You very much so can. You just have to try and build that way. Seems like teams are kind of slow to want to build that way. Of course, building that way... Here's a dirty little secret around the league. Why do teams build small and fast? Well, my theory is that it has to do with the cap and ELCs. Small and fast, the player's more ready to play. Big and fast, he needs time. Look at Yesse Pugliarvi. you got two examples on the Oilers right now, perfect examples. Yesse Pugliarvi, not ready. Alex Chason. What is he, 27? Alex Chason is not some revelation. 
He's got a shooting percentage right now that isn't going to last. You know, you have to understand that if you're an Oilers fan. Alex Chason, though, has been a guy who for a lot of years, Dallas, Ottawa, Calgary, that guy was looked at as, ooh, ooh, he's got talent. He could be a player. When the Flames got him in the 2016 offseason, I remember saying, like, fuck, fuck. I wanted the Oilers to get him. He's big and skilled. 27, he's just now putting it together. He started to put it together last year, and this year he's he's put it together. You know, Alex Chason's not going to continue having this kind of shooting percentage. But also, Alex Chason's not getting goals that are flukes. Alex Chason is putting in goals that are legit. So the shooting percentage won't stay that high. But if he shoots it more, 25 to 30 goals won't shock me. I'm not betting on it, but it wouldn't shock me. And so when teams build small and speedy, my theory is one of the biggest reasons for that is because those type of players can step in and produce on ELCs. If you build big, you've got to wait for that size to develop. And you can't wait. Anyway, the team that eventually does have patience for it and build that way, they're they're going to be able to build a team that can really wreak havoc around the NHL. Anyway. So yeah, Mike Yo, he's out in St. Louis. It's not going to make a difference. Craig Berube, meh, whatever. Blues need to shake it up. And I'll get to that. Uh, I wanted to talk about San Jose today. And how the Sharks don't look like anything. And one interesting thing, I listened to 31 Thoughts this week. Eric Carlson got talked about. And... Merrick and Friedman both said that their word around the league is starting to be that you just take Eric Carlson wide because he can't turn anymore. Uh Uh-oh. They mortgaged everything to get him. With no need for another defenseman. You can never go wrong adding another defenseman, but that team was already... Pretty thin on assets, and they blew them all on a defenseman that they didn't need when they had a massive hole down the middle. As my cat goes absolutely apeshit trying to get up on the windowsill right now, I want to point out that it's Steph's cat, it's not mine. I've adopted the cat. The cat's pretty good as far as cats go, but I I want a dog. So the cat's going fucking ape shit right now. I don't know. Maybe it's a fear of sharks. Because <laughs> I'm talking about the sharks. I don't like that mix. I, I Maybe. Chances are. Not maybe. Chances are. It's just a team that has not flipped the switch yet. I don't know. In the, when I watched them play the Oilers. 
Oilers were down 3-2 going into the third, and I just remember thinking, like, yeah, they can win this game. This isn't this isn't a team that's impossible to beat. Watched them play the Leafs, and they were on the second half of back-to-back. Another thing I should point out, to be fair to the Sharks, they've lost a lot in OT. Uh, being shitty in 3-on-3 hockey isn't a very good gauge as to how you're going to do in the playoffs. If you haven't noticed, 3-on-3 hockey doesn't happen in the playoffs. So, take it all with a grain of salt. But I don't know, I just, I, I don't, I don't like their mix. It feels like they've got a lot of guys who aren't shot. They're not done, but they're past their primes. They've peaked. And then they've got kids who haven't yet hit their primes. Like, I think they were hoping Thomas Hurdle by now has hit his prime. And Thomas Hurdle just, you know, yeah, he scores a highlight reel goal here and there. Excuse me, what else does he do? You know, like, I've never been wowed by Thomas Hurdle. He puts up nice numbers. Meh. Meh. That's, you know, that that's about the best I can say for Hurdle. Meh. He's fine. He's overpaid. He's grossly overpaid. If I had Cap Friendly up pulled up right now, I would be like, it, it's bad. It's like 5.6 mil for him. Well, now I've got to look it up. Now I can't just sit by idly. I've got to go Hurdle, and i got to make sure I spell Hurdle right. And then, oh, look at this, Tomash Hurdle from Prague in the Czech Republic. 6-2-2-15, taken in the first round, 17th overall in the 2012 NHL entry draft. And I never forget thinking at the time, they passed on Taravainen? Eh, probably a saw-off. 18 points, 21 games this season. Solid, minus 6. Eh, I'm not big on plus-minus. 6 goals, 12 assists. Last year, 46 points. 2016, 46 points. 2017, only played in 49 games, 22 points. Is he a 50-point guy? He might be this season. He's off to his best start this season. But now I've got to pull up what he's making. Do I not have... Oh, there's Cat Friendly. Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, motherfucker. Oh, Patrick Russell got sent down by the Oilers because they claimed Valentin Zykov. I didn't know that Russell went down because I'm doing podcasts this morning. I did, though. If you listen to the Oilers podcast, I did find out that Zykov got claimed. Woo! It was celebration time. Motherfucker! Uh, San Jose, here we go. They've got... One million cap. They've got no assets left in their system. I don't need to look on cap friendly for that knowledge. What is Thomas Shirtle's contract? 5.625. And I don't see the big upside with him. Like To me, that's... Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Doug Wilson gives out some bad contracts. Seven mil for Evander Kane. When Evander Kane Kane is one of the most um, 
has maybe the most character issues out of just about anyone in the league. And he gives him seven mil per. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. Seven years. Seven mil for Evander Kane. Could not have more character issues. Why not throw a no trade on top of it? Uh, it's only three teams. Oh, no. Submits a list of three teams he can be traded to. Oh. Oh. Like, what? why wouldn't you just give him a full no trade? Because you know what the player does in that situation? Evander Kane says, okay, I'll okay a trade to Anaheim. I'll okay a trade to LA. And I'll okay a trade to, I don't know, Vancouver maybe. Like three places where the Sharks would go, yeah, no, we don't want to trade you to those teams. Oh. Doug Wilson has done a very good job there, and yet Doug Wilson has done a shitty job there. Logan Couture, eight million a year. I don't mind that extension. Joe Pavelski, I'm assuming he lets Joe Pavelski walk after this season. He's probably going to let Eric Carlson walk. If Eric Carlson can't turn, oh, this is so bad. This is so bad. Eight mil per for Brent Burns. And I want to say Brent Burns has real good numbers this season. But Brent Burns, oh yeah, they're 26. Yeah, he's a point per game player. But then you got a point per game defenseman. What is your big need to blow the farm on Eric Carlson? The farm on him. Eric Carlson is not known for his defensive play. Eric Carlson, 5-on-5 in the Western Conference where you can get wore down pretty quickly. I And let's not forget the injury in the 2017 playoffs. And again, as always, I can't remember. I think it was an ankle, but it might have been the foot, whatever it was that he played with and was late coming back last season from, uh, oh, like just, you blew Everything you had on that. What the fuck are you doing? I get it. You're desperate. You want to go for a cup. But what the fuck are you doing, Douglas? They're in trouble. They're in big time trouble. Because Doug Wilson has kind of turned a pretty good situation into a disaster. I I don't know, 7 mil per for Vlasic. Vlasic and Burns have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 years left each. Well, if you include this year, just like Kane. So they're committing 22 million. 22 million. Well, I mean, just like 15 million on their back end. To guys who are already 33 and 31 for the next seven years, if you include this season. Again, I have to remind myself that that 
those compliance buyouts are going to come. I don't know, though, that Doug Wilson's going to get six of them. Like he might need when it's all said and done. Because it won't surprise me if he does, if he is stupid enough to go, yeah, Eric Carlson, 11 mil, sure, why not? Eric Carlson, you're shot? Okay, well, we can't give you 12. We'll give you 11. But we'll definitely give you seven years because that's the going rate for our team. You're not going to get seven compliance buyouts, Douglas. Oh, jeez, man. An eight mil a year for Logan Couture? I'm sorry, but Couture isn't a first-line center. How do I put this? You can win with Logan Couture as your first-line center. You can win a cup. But he needs to have real good support behind him down the middle and a real good team around him in general. He's not going to carry you to a cup. So Logan Couture needs like another Logan Couture playing behind him. And he needs a poor man's Logan Couture as his third line center. And then he needs like a dirt poor Logan Couture as his fourth line center. And then maybe he can carry you to a cup if you want to call that carrying. Oh, I hate their situation. Timo Meyer's having a good year. But man, they just like I look at I look at that Pacific Division right now and I even though like I was sky high on the Oilers making the coaching change mainly because I thought, well, the path is very clear to the third to the third seed in the Pacific Division. And then like in the last week and a half or so, Anaheim's got hot. Vegas has got hot, and even though the Oilers are playing, what, they're 3-1-1 one, and one under Ken Hitchcock, I'm going, oh, shit, no, the, the path is now looking very bleak, and I don't think the Oilers are a playoff team, because the main reason I thought the Oilers were going to be a playoff team was because of how weak the division was. Now the division doesn't look so weak, but I'm going to ask this right now. Are the San Jose Sharks a playoff team? And I know a lot of their problems have come from not winning a game playing three-on-three hockey, but you still need to win playing three-on-three hockey. I don't know. You know, I know it wasn't a bad loss in Toronto. They lost in overtime to the hottest team in the league in Buffalo. And that's the other thing about Toronto. They were on the second half of back-to-back. They didn't look good against the Oilers either. And that game in Toronto, I never felt like they were in it. You know, the game in Buffalo, I want to say they tied late. Like, I don't know, man. I actually, right at the moment, I have more faith that the Flames are going to make the playoffs than the Sharks. And I've ripped the Flames this season. And it's not just because the Flames are now going good. Shit, man, I'm 40 minutes in, and I'm only on to my third subject. Oh, okay, I better get to Willie Nylander. By the way, uh, co- next coach is up to be fired in my notes. I said Peter DeBoer and Bob Bugner are definitely on the chopping block, or could be on the chopping block. We'll see. Willie Nylander. I have to dedicate the rest of this to Willie Nylander and the Leafs. So shut it off now if you hate the Leafs. 
Shut it off now. If you love the Leafs, turn that motherfucker up. Uh, 24 hours, a little over 24 hours away. Uh, Elliot Friedman is not throwing shit against the wall when he says this is going to be... Like, Willie Nylander will not be a Leaf in the fall of 2019, is basically what he said. Yeah, he ain't he ain't throwing shit against the wall. Someone's told him that. Someone reputable has told him that. He doesn't just come out of nowhere and say that. Um, I don't think they trade him. Because... Tomorrow isn't a deadline to where if they don't move him, they can't trade him this season. They can still trade his rights. That's a pretty valuable asset to dangle at the trade deadline. If they've still got his rights. I think they'll sign him. But I I could see him standing strong and saying nothing below 7.5. Because that's what he's worth. People can scream that he's not worth more than David Pasternak. but And I've heard that so much from so many people. But you probably don't want to hear this if you're a Leafs fan and saying that. But it's just, it's the truth. Pasternak took a bad deal from the Bruins. He should have got 7.5 after Dreisaitl got 8.5. Because their numbers were very similar. And in fairness, you're still going to go with the big center over the small winger. So that's where Dreisaitl is worth a little bit more. But Pasternak should have then said, okay, I'm worth 7.5. So here we are a year later, and the cap has gone up. And yet... A lot of people still want to say, oh, Nylander's not worth more than Pasternak. Look at how great Pasternak is. And he only took, what, 6.8? He took a bad deal. And the cap's gone up. So Pasternak should have got 7.5. Willie Nylander then should get 7.5. Now here's the other end of it. And I've said this all along. I'm not committing to Willie Nylander if I'm the Leafs because I don't want to tie up as much money as they're looking at if they do sign him and keep him as what the Leafs would be tying tying up in Nylander and Marner. I don't want to tie up a shit ton of money in my wingers when I've got Matthews and Taveras down the middle and Kadri. You have got three. You've got the best center ice trio in the league. You have got a lot of good young prospects in the pipeline. That you And you can just keep drafting wingers and keep churning them out. You can keep finding those guys. That's what the Oilers have intended to do. They haven't done it. But that's what they've intended to do. And technically it is probably what they should be doing. They're just not doing it well. But the le- like, you're looking at Mitch Marner. You're looking at at least 9 mil probably 10 mil and maybe it's going to get to 11 mil because this guy's an Art Ross contender 
this guy looks like Patrick Kane, which when I when they drafted Matthews, I said they've got their Kane and Kane and Taves. Yeah, I can't even speak. And that's they're better than Kane and Taves. Maybe. Like they're that good. Is Marner better than Kane? I uh, maybe not. On par, but I don't know if he's better. But Matthews is probably better than Taves. And you're gonna you're gonna have to pay Mitch Marner ten mil per. So then you really want to go give Willie Nylander seven five, and then you're tying up seventeen point five mil, probably more, into wingers. Even if you get Willie Nylander at seven, seventeen mil into two wingers, when you're gonna have Matthews at somewhere between eleven and thirteen mil. And then Tavera's at 11. And Kadri's on a discount, but he's still at 5. It's not nothing. It's still a little bit more than you want to pay your third-line center. Holy shit. You can't do it. You're going to have to pay Riley eventually. Like, you know, I'm going to get... I, you know, the last thing I wanted to get to today, well, there was a lot more that I wanted to get to today, but one of the last things I wanted to get to is how the Leafs, you know, everybody wants to, you know, write their obituary already because they've gotten sick of writing how great they are. So now it's, you know, all oh, the Leafs are doomed. You know, they, they're they not doomed. They got Morgan Riley three more years. I didn't realize he had that many more years. Uh... You know, Kadri's got three more years, too. Sorry, Kadri's four or five. My apologies. Still a shade more than you want to pay your third-line center. That's that's a pretty damn good price. But my point here, you cannot tie up that kind of money in your wingers. So that's why I've said all along, Willie Nylander, they don't need William Nylander to get their defenseman. But they need to move out William Nylander eventually because it's just going to be tying up way too much money in your wingers. They have the type of team where you need to use William Nylander's money for two wingers, not just one. And then you need to go fill out your blue line. You know, I'm looking at Morgan Riley's sweetheart contract. They have three years. They have a three-year window after this one. Like, things tighten up next year, no doubt. Matthews, Marner, new deals. Fat, fat, fat new deals. But they're still going to have three years here with Kadri and Riley making not what they should be to really... And, you know, two years of Anderson being a little bit underpaid as he's one of the best goaltenders in hockey. They're going to have a window here. But William Nylander just, eh, you don't need him. You don't need him, and you really don't need to tie up that much money into your wingers. Into two wingers, anyway. When you've got Matthews, and you've got Tavares, and you've got Kapanen, and you've got, you know, for another year, anyway, they got Marlowe, and, you know, they've got kids coming. I mean, of course, I'm blanking. You know, Janssen is a really good winger. Look at the Oilers this year. They found Alex Chase on. Will his hot streak last? I doubt it. But you can find wingers. 
Carl Grundstrom, I'm still, you know, pretty high on. Jeremy Bracco, talent. I know I don't know how he's been progressing in the last couple of years, but talented, talented guy. You know, I could definitely see the Leafs trading for a kid like Josh Hosang. You know, Lou Lamorello will have the relationship with Dubis. He's definitely not a Lamorello or Barry Trotz guy, but Dubis would probably be all over him. Josh Hosang would get a real chance playing in Toronto. I think. And what would he cost? What, third round pick? Fourth round pick? Give to the Islanders? Islanders don't have their third rounder this year. Leafs give him a third rounder for Josh Hosang. Josh Hosang gets his chance. He has as much skill as William Nylander. And William Nylander is one of the most skilled players in the league. That's how much skill Josh Hosang has. But, but, Josh Hosang, eh, big time character issues. But you know what, that's the point. You don't need to put that kind of money into a winger. So I would trade William Nylander. I don't think that they'll do it tomorrow or by tomorrow. Um, and they don't need, you know, the other thing is they don't need to get a defenseman for him. Everybody's like, whoa, well, what? Oh, Brett Pesci, Carolina, Dougie Hamilton, Carolina, Justin Falk, Carolina. Oh, well, what? Oh, maybe, maybe the Blues will give him Colton Pareko. Get your mind off that. Get your mind off those types of deals. Oh, Nick Kiprio said Montour and Nick Ritchie. It gets you, you know how Montour fits what the Leafs need. I, I, oh, jeez. I actually tossed out a trade idea, and I don't remember if I put it on the podcast. I apologize if I did before, but I suggested, well, why wouldn't Columbus go get him and give up Josh Anderson and make it a three-way deal where you're giving a first and Josh Anderson and maybe Gabe Carlson. The first and Carlson go to the Canucks. They give up Tanev to the Leafs. The Leafs also get Josh Anderson, and then William Nylander goes to Columbus. Eh, just an idea. Because I know Josh Anderson, he's he's going pretty good, but he's had problems there. Josh Anderson's another type of guy that the Leafs need more of. Because I know that, you know, you don't want to overvalue grit and character and size, but you still need it on your team. There's a difference between not overvaluing it and still having it, which the Leafs have walked a fine line on and done a good job. But, you know, look at Matt Martin. When they signed Matt Martin, that was, I still say, that was a good signing, even though they ended up getting rid of him. You still need a Josh Anderson type in the playoffs. They need, you know, probably two, maybe even three of those guys for playoff time. Uh, Tana, but they could get a guy like Tana, this is the point I was trying to make, without giving up Nylander. They could get a guy like Jake Muzzin, and I don't think they have to give up a Nylander. You could go get, like, what if Carolina, here's an idea. Carolina claims are, quote, all in. Carolina has a lot of assets. What if Carolina, to me, this would be an overpay, what if Carolina gave you a lottery protected first, or even a top 10 protected first, and gave you Martin Nekash? Now, to me, Martin Nekash and something 
is a fair deal. But if they gave you a first, even if it's lottery protected, oh, that's a home run. Because in my opinion, Martin Nekash, and I know you never know for sure with prospects, I know prospects pretty good, especially in the more recent drafts where I've really dug into guys. That doesn't sound too good. Um, I don't mean it in that way. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Martin Nekash is just as good as William Nylander. Just as much skill. Just as much talent. Now, if you could get him for Nylander, and then say you do get that pick, and you could take your first rounder then, so you're still giving up a first rounder, you still got a first rounder to play with, maybe you give up a Liljegren, and you go get that defenseman that you need. You'd still have the assets to do it without giving up knee cash, which to me would be like not giving up Nylander. Oh. Here's what Leaf fans know this. Life is good. This is not a problem. Well, it is a problem, but it's a good problem to have. You're in a great situation. And Kyle Dubas, anyone who says he's fucked this up, you're a moron. You're a fucking moron. He hasn't fucked this up. He stood his fucking ground. Peter Shirelli would have caved a long time ago on this. Dubas stuck with it. He didn't cave to Nylander and say, okay, we'll give you eight. Nope. Nope. He kept his eye on the prize. He knew exactly what he was doing. Guess what? William Nylander won't sign for what's a reasonable deal? Then fuck him. You go trade that asset and get somebody who is well worth it, like a Martin Nekash. And yeah, that won't pay dividends right away, but it wouldn't take long before it was. And you get William Nylander's production on an ELC. And they don't need William Nylander to win a cup this year. So Kyle Dubas has done right. I'm interested to see what the result is here. I I could see him. I could see Nylander signing for a reasonable deal. I could see Nylander being traded, and I could see Nylander not being signed at all. What I guarantee you will not see is Kyle Dubas caving and giving William Nylander something gross that is both untradeable and hurting the franchise. He won't do that. So for those out there who want to say Kyle Dubas has fucked this up, you are so wrong. Kyle Dubas has stood his ground. One more thing on the Leafs before I'm done. I wanted to get to so much more today. I wanted to get to trade talk. I wanted to get what the Blues could do. Kings, Flyers, Wings, all that shit. Not going to get to it because I want to keep it to an hour. Andy Strickland put on Twitter or went on Twitter last night or sometime and said something about Matthew's offer sheet is coming. Okay, A, Andy Strickland is a dipshit. He's one of the guys who will throw shit against the wall and hope it sticks. He is not plugged in. You probably, if you're a hockey fan, you do not need to waste your time with anyone outside of Elliot Friedman and Bob McKenzie. There, it is pointless. Absolutely fucking pointless to waste your time with anyone else. But anyway, I seen this. It went around. Um, yeah. 
Strickland is an idiot. He's been caught putting his foot in his mouth many times before. Um, here's the thing. That's A. You want to call that A. That's A. Strickland's an idiot. B, it's going to be the trendy thing now with the anti-Leaf crowd to knock them down. It's clickbait for Leaf fans when the media drools all over them. A lot of money to be made there. There's also a lot of Leaf haters out there. So there's a lot of clickbait money to be made on knocking them down a pedestal. Or knocking them off the pedestal, sorry. So you'll read now about how Matthews is leaving, Marner's leaving, Riley won't be happy since the other guys got paid. Like, it's such horseshit. It's such horseshit. Um... Some people then went after Strickland and said, uh, Matthews is, who'd want to give Matthews 15 mil plus four first rounders? He's not worth that. Yeah, he is, moron. Yeah, he is. Austin Matthews, I'll maintain this, is not Connor McDavid. Austin Matthews is a franchise center, one of the best players in the league. And if you think that even let's say the 12th pick every year in the draft isn't worth Austin Matthews plus 15 mil, you're a fucking idiot. And I follow the draft and and probably know how to draft better than some NHL teams. I know what to do better with those picks than some of those teams do. Was that English? Was that a sentence? Anyway, I know better than some of those teams who are drafting. And I'll tell you right now, I'm giving up, let's just say the 12th pick, which is being generous, the 12th pick every year. I'll give that up for Austin Matthews. Unless that pick turns out to be, unless those picks turn out to be 2021, in the 2020 draft, the first pick, which is Lafreniere, and then let's say the fourth pick, the second pick, and the fifth pick, unless it's those picks, which is so not going to happen when you've got Austin Matthews on your team. The Oilers couldn't be more of a train wreck with Connor McDavid. Where'd they pick last year? Tenth. They didn't move up. Like, or they didn't, they only fell back one. I think they were ninth. I'll give up the ninth pick every year for Austin Matthews. Thank you. And he's worth 15 mil. Connor McDavid's worth 15 mil too. Just for the record. <laughs> so anyway, Matthews. Oh, he's going to sign an offer sheet. Here's the other thing. Unless he's literally about nothing except money, he's going to walk on the Leafs and walk to some shittier team. They are the most fun team in the league. They're an emerging, well, they're a cup contender. They might be a dynasty. He's going to walk to get paid 15 or 16 mil by the Rangers and leave them scorched earth over signing with the Leafs for somewhere between 11 and 13 mil. He's going to do that, is he? Fuck off. Fuck off. You're just... Don't buy into that shit. I'm at 59 minutes and 17 seconds. I've done two podcasts today. I hope you've enjoyed them. I don't have any outro music that I can sing to you, but I will say, have a good weekend. Thanks for listening. See you next time.